Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey and Darren Peter. Quote, in my lifetime, I have murdered 21 human beings. I have committed thousands of burglaries, robberies, larcenies, arsons, and last but not least, I have committed sodomy on more than 1,000 male human beings. For all of these things, I am not the least bit sorry. I have no conscience, so that does not worry me. I don't believe in man, God, nor devil. I hate the whole damned human race, including myself. If you or anyone else will take the trouble and have the intelligence or patience to follow and examine every one of my crimes, you will find that I have consistently followed one idea throughout all of my life. I preyed upon the weak, the harmless, and the unsuspecting. This lesson I was taught by others, might makes right. These are the words of Carl Panzram 31614. You're listening to Profiles in Eccentricity. I'm John Fahey. This is... Aaron Pita. Thank you, guys. We are live on the Unpopular uh, Opinion live stream. We are. Today is uh, Game 7 of the World Series. We are broadcasting during that. And today we released the episode Jack Parsons. Yes, today uh, the Jack Parsons episode of Profiles in Eccentricity is up. Check that one out. It's the first profile that I performed for John to teach yes. you about one of my favorite characters in history. Yes, do you want to hear about this fucking guy? This guy sounds like a real piece of work, John. Lay it <laughs> on me, daddy. Carl Panzerman was born in the Midwest, and he was he was raised on a farm. His father leaves the farm. He's a young boy. He grows up just getting the shit kicked out of him by his older brothers. What uh, what time period are we talking about him being born in? Well, this he was born in 1892. Okay. He, he at the age of 12, he decides that he you know the life on the farm is a nightmare. And he's not having it, so he goes and he robs uh, a neighbor's house of a bunch of food and valuables and a gun. Uh huh. He gets caught. He gets the shit kicked out of him by uh, dad. Yeah, that's no, no, no. Dad's gone at this point. Oh, okay. But he is getting the shit kicked out of him by his older brothers and stuff, and just people in general. Everybody is beating you at this time. This turn of the century America is just as Heavy bleak as can on. be. Uh, you're kind of in the depression before the depression. Mm-hmm. He's just. Like the youngest kid, he's wild. Uh, there's no attention. He's totally acting out, and he's just getting smacked down really hard back. And he just keeps acting out more and more and more extensively. And he gets sent to a boarding school. He's 12 years of age, and this is like the thing where they just uh, are beating Christ into you, basically. Yeah, I feel like uh, you guys probably already know that there's a heavy trigger warning for violence and uh, the ma- sodomy on male human beings. Yes. So heads up. Not all profiles are going to be, uh, you know, about these uh, extremely violent characters, but this one certainly is. Carl Panzram, I wouldn't say, ended up being a... He's known as a serial killer. Um, he's really more of a guy who was just a hateful human being and would murder you if you were in his way at all. Which you probably were. Yes. He, you know, so he's he basically... He's at this boarding school. I think this is the first time he's probably molested, at the very least, uh-huh. by these people. And he really comes to hate... Christianity mm-hmm. and 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 the fraud of it because all these people that are pushing Christianity on him are also molesting him beating, and beating the him. living shit out of him. At this boarding school, he was often sent to a place called the Painting House, 
Because when you came out, you were painted black and blue. Uh, this is one of the things they would do to you, Aaron. They would lay a saltwater-soaked towel over your back, and they would whip you with a uh, belt with holes in it. And, of course, your skin would rise up from the whip marks through side. these holes until you got hit so much that the blisters from the holes would burst, and then in came the salt water. Just like Christ said. Right. So it's just, it's just, it's just to torture you beyond belief. And this is Midwest? This is Midwest. Um, he's in Illinois. He, he writes on death row his, all of his memoirs. He's given a pen and paper by, like, a friendly guard while he's awaiting the noose. Right. And he just writes his whole life. Sure. And it's such a startling, shocking confession of an entire life that this prison guard, for the rest of his life, he died in 1983, this prison guard is just trying to get this story into the hands of anybody that will bring it to the public. And at one point, it gets into the hands of Norman Mailer. Okay. And Norman Mailer is like, the public is not ready for this. This is too much. And Norman, Norman Mailer says this about Carl Panzram. He says, I enjoyed the hell out of his story. Panzram is one of the people who doesn't exist in your mind until you come across him in life or as here in a book, and then he never leaves it. Ugh. His confessions are, are uh, surrounded um, by a lot of background info in which you find out that everything he confesses to is never disproven whatsoever. Right. Anytime um, he says that I killed people here, they found bodies right. there. Like, what was he originally popped for? Like, they got him in custody. Burglary. Burglary. And at that point, he's early 40s, and he just is sick of this extremely hateful life. Existence, yeah, man. And he just confesses to absolutely everything. He writes this confession, and he's, uh, he's educated enough, you know? And while he's sitting in prison, he's reading, like, Nietzsche and all this nihilist philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it very much, you know, kind of jibes with his whole thing of man is horrible and mm-hmm. terrible and existence is awful. Mm-hmm. He says, <laughs> he's getting beat by these people and he says, I was too dumb to learn anything in school, so they took me out and put me to work all day washing dishes and waiting on table in the officer's dining room. Right here, I began to get a little revenge on those who abused me. When I served the food to some of the officers, I used to urinate in their soup, coffee, and tea and masturbate into their ice cream or dessert. Hell yeah. And then stand right beside them and watch them eat it. They enjoyed it too because they told me so. I wish they could read this now. That, well, I'm, I'm on board with that. The paint, the paint shop or the painting room, as uh. it was called. He says, uh, he, he, he decides, that, you know, he wants to get revenge. And he says, the only thing I could figure out was to burn down the building in which the paint shop was located. This I did. I got a long, thick piece of heavy cotton string, wrapped it around and around and around a long stick, lit one end of it and hid in the laundry near some oil-soaked rags. That night, the whole place burned down at a cost of over $100,000. Nice, eh? <laughs> this guy's making a lot of sense, John. This, this thing, like, there's this, there's this sick tone to everything he says right he um, he's he's you know he is definitely without conscience yes in, in a weird robotic totally separate from the human condition way like it was beat out of him yeah and he so it's he realizes i am too small to really fight this thing so he goes back to them and he tells them you know he's like 13 years old 14 years old and he says uh, i'm you know whatever i'm a christian I, you know, I apologize. I won't do anything anymore. And they let him out. And uh, That's he all go- it took? Yeah, he goes back home, and he, he basically acts like he's a good boy. 
Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he's just kind of, you know, trying to get by. Mm-hmm. And he's picked on for, because kids also know he, know, he, like, he, he went to a reform school. So whenever he gets a chance, he beats the shit out of one of these kids that'll make fun of him privately, you know, so he doesn't get caught and he still has this good boy image. And uh, eventually he, uh, he, he takes, he, like, this is the era of the rail car, right? Right. And uh, he 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 just takes you just off. Hop he decides, on one of these box cars with a box of sardines. Yeah, and he decides I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go west. And he's pretty naive, and he just gets gang raped by a bunch of hobos. And this is also the time where he kind of realizes, you know, might makes right philosophy. Right. You know, kind of, you know, leans more into that. And he decides I'm never going to be on that end of that ever again. If anyone's going to be doing, he does. And end up getting gang raped by a bunch of guys again when he gets drunk somewhere, and again he's just a child, you know. So he uh, he's he's now basically just learning that everybody is vicious. It doesn't matter if it's the Christian at school. It doesn't matter if it's the people back home on the farm. It doesn't matter if it's a hobo in a rail car. Yeah, that's his his reality is that. Yeah, every everything is is cruelty. He decides he's going to start you know being the one in the rail car doing th- the rape that has the boy. And and uh, that's that's basically what he does. He he gets he gets more and more into like I need to have a gun, and I need to be the one doing all of this horrible shit. Yeah. And uh, he starts going town to town, and he'll kind of tell a tale of woe and say that he's Christian, and he'll get fed, and then he'll move on, and he'll steal where he can. It's just getting worse and worse. And now he's going into prison, and he's getting really fucked up. You and know. he's what eight seventeen? Yeah, yeah. He's and he's he's under assumed names already. He's getting attacked um, in prison, and uh, he's it, just things are getting worse. And he's kind of talking about planning on killing people, but he's never really doing it. Right. It's not really getting to that point yet. Um, but he gets into a prison with a particularly cruel disciplinary warden. This guy. Is like you have to be silent in the jail, right? Oh, which one? It's, a, it's one of those silent jails. Yeah, you have, you have to be quiet. You're going to get the shit kicked out of you all the time. So Panzram is just in full rebellion of this guy, and he just encourages anybody he can to get you know revenge on this guy. So he helps a friend escape, right? They launch a, a manhunt for this dude, and the warden himself goes after this friend of Panzram's, and they find him. And the warden gets shot in the head by this guy. He gets killed. They bring in the warden's brother to be the new warden. And he's even more savage. And he basically tells all the prisoners, get ready, dickheads, because the f- here, here comes the real whip. Right. So Panzram now is, uh, is like, okay, he saws through the bars of his cell, escapes. They, he has two different shootouts with the law. They catch him. They bring him back. He fucking saws through the bars again and escapes. How? Where is he? I have no idea where all these saws are coming from. I have no fucking idea. They end up bringing in this new guy. This is in Oregon. And uh, this guy's name is Spud Murphy. This is a new warden? The new warden. Right. Right. Because Panzeram's blowing through these wardens like... Yeah, well, it's... It, I mean, it's, it's, it's just mayhem. I mean, the, and, and also, like, you know, the, the prison is... is in rebellion too, and he's he's really in, in, instigating it, you know, and he's basically just known as the meanest fucker there, right? He uh, is visited by Murphy, and Murphy's like, "I hear you're the worst we've got, and I hear you're always escaping. Here's what I'm gonna do: 
I'm going to let you out of prison, and you have to be back in prison by 8 o'clock for dinner every day. And Panzerim's like, what the fuck? Get the fuck out of here, right? And the guy lets him out the front door of the prison, and Panzerim just stands there because he's like, they're going to shoot me. Right. And he stands there until fucking 8 o'clock trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. What's the, what's the game here? And then they, the doors open at 8 o'clock. He comes back in. And so then, like, he, he, next day, uh, let's let out of prison, right? No, and he's in prison for robbery and shit, right? But this guy, Spud Murphy, is like, there's no, there's no Jesus. We're not pushing any Jesus. There's no punishment. You just stay in a cell. The punishment is being in prison. Yeah. In his mind. Right. Um, Progressive. Extremely. For, like, 1917. Yeah. And so Panzram starts going into town and, like, enjoying himself. And then coming back to prison at night and spending the night in prison. And Murphy comes to him and he's like, will you play on the prison baseball team? And he's like, I don't know how to do that. I never had a childhood. <laughs> so, so Do you like, have a getting whipped with saltwater towels team? Because <laughs> yeah. I'd be the MB fucking P. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, well, can you fucking... And this is in Panzerham's own words in the book. He's like, uh, can you play an instrument in the, in the prison marching band? And he's like, no, I can't do that. And he's like, well, can you hold a fucking flag in front of the prison marching band? And he's like, yeah. So Panzram, the worst prisoner, is, is leading out the leading the marching band holding a fucking flag. And the worst prisoner became the model prisoner under this guy's administration. You got to give people, you know, purpose. Right. So Panzram goes into town one day. He fucks up. He uh, experiences the company of a lady, but hitherto mistake number one, hither, buddy. Hitherto, yeah, before he, before he was just you know sodomizing people, uh, getting sodomized. He had one one interaction with a lady, which left him with a bout of gonorrhea, and he decided, ah, oh, ladies are no good, <laughs> right? But this time, and this is before antibiotics were invented, right? Yeah, so so you have that for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's a fucking matter of life and death, you know. So, of course, he retreated back to the sodomy. But this time, you know, he's, he's just back to, uh, he's back to, um, to girls, I guess, because life is good. You know, he's leading the fucking marching band or whatever. Girls are nice. And he gets drunk, and, uh, and he just kind of feels the call of the wild, and he, and he fucks up and doesn't go back to prison. Mm-hmm. And he has another insane shootout with the law that comes for him because he's like, I just didn't want to go back and face the disappointment of Spud Murphy. Because this is the only time a person's ever been kind to him. Mm-hmm. You know? Ever. Yeah. Maybe one of these ladies, but she gave him gonorrhea. So I, I kind of skipped this part, but before this spell with the awful wardens that then led to Spud Murphy, there's a time where as a young man, he hears um, the call of the military. And he goes and he joins... And the military is another fucking, you know, beat you. strict beat you kind of thing. And he's like, fuck that. And then he does his trick again where he acts like a good boy. And he, he, he robs a bunch of uniforms because he hears that you can sell them for a pretty penny. They catch him doing that. And he gets a, like a hefty sentence. Personally overseen by then Secretary of Defense William Howard Taft. Not yet president. president yeah. So, like, he's in at military police arrest him, and he's, he's, does time in a military prison? So, he does time in Leavenworth for that one. And that's where he said he really got mean. There was some of the, the like, the inventiveness of these awful things they would do are just astonishing, Aaron. They invent all of these things. The jacket. The jacket was used, I mean, it's a form of a straitjacket. It's only a very piece of heavy canvas 
with eye holes on both sides to which a, a rope is pulled tight. First, the canvas is laid on the floor. The man is laid and sometimes knocked down upon that, facing downwards. Then the ropes are pulled through the eye holes, and a big burly screw slaps his number 10 in the middle of your back and hauls with all the strength on the ropes until you're as tight as you can get. Some men had six to eight hours of the jacket. They're just squeezing you with ropes. This is the torture. The snorting pole. Very common form of punishment that is used in the southern states. A large post about 12 foot long by 1 foot in diameter is sunk into the ground. Near the top is a pair of handcuffs to which a rope is made fast. When a man is whipped at the snorting pole, he is whipped with a red heifer, a black snake whip about 8 foot long running from a lead-loaded butt and tapering down to a fine lash. The man to be whipped is first handcuffed to the post and then the rope is pulled up tight until the man is on his toes, barely touching the ground. Then his shirt is pulled either up or off either off or up over his head, usually the latter, and his trousers are dropped to his feet. He stands in that position, and the whipping boss steps off nine or ten feet and starts popping the bud to the poor sucker that is being reformed. Reformed? Yeah, he... he, he Panzeram throws the word reform around a, a lot because he found it insulting that this was supposed to fix you. Yeah. Uh, when the lash begins to take away little bits of hide and blood begins to run, then the sucker begins to jerk and yelp, jump, and snort. That's why it's called the snorting pole. The sucker, meaning the man who yeah. whips you? All the Reforms. prisoners are lined up to witness the efforts of one man to put the fear of God into another. When the man is let down after being whipped, he has blood on his back and murder in his heart. A dose of salts. This may be a fine remedy for anyone who is constipated and looking for relief. It's a sure remedy for that ailment. Believe me, I know. If you don't think so, just try it. This punishment is usually tried out right on the job while men are working. When the boss man decides that someone is in need of a physic... He calls another screw who pulls his gun to back up the other boss. The first one will take his number four strap from his saddle or kit and then call three or four of the other prisoners to grab the sucker that is to be whipped. I never saw any of them ever hesitate. Uh, so again, the other prisoners are also the enemy. When you said dose of the salt, they'd throw salt on the wound? Uh, uh, I'm not following here. A dose of the salt and then the laxative effect? Well, let's see here. He goes on to it. They grab the chump, throw him down on his belly, pull his pants down and his shirt up. One will hold one leg and one another. A couple will hold his arms and sit on his head. Then the boss man does his stuff. Yeah. After about 15 whacks with his number four, there is no one around and <laughs> there is no one around there that is constipated anymore. The bat or the paddle. This was given to me by the super and three screws in the Montana State Training School when I was about 15 years old. The bat or paddle is an ash stick about three foot long by two inches wide and half an inch thick with a handle about four or five inches long. I was stripped naked and laid face downwards on a bed, feet tied with a rope on one end and hands tied to the other. In that position, I got a bat laid to my back 50 times and then put into a cell for 50 days, then taken out and given 20 more and then put back into a cell for 20 more days. The first 10 days on bread and water, the last 20 on two meals a day. I mean, th this there's like three more things. The restraint machine, the hummingbird. These just go on and on and on. The hummingbird is a bird that was conceived of in the mind of another bird. That was a human bird, a buzzard of the human species. He sure must have been to figure out a device that would inflict the maximum of corporal punishment with the minimum of harm to himself. The bird was made of steel, water, wire, and a sponge and little electricity, yet it was alive. First an ordinary steel bathtub, which was four or five inches of ice-cold water. The victim is laid down in that and chained hand and foot. Then the chief torturer enters the scene. He is dressed in his ordinary clothes and has only a rubber slicker and a pair of rubber gloves on his hands. In his hands, he holds a common sponge. The sponge is connected to an electric battery by wires. The switch is turned on, and the torturer advances on his, on his victim. He first begins on the soles of the feet and gently rubbing the charged sponge there, and then gradually working his way up the body to the head. Ugh. A physician stands beside the victim and every few seconds feels the pulse and examines him. When he judges that the victim is exactly on the verge of madness or death, he gives the signal to switch off the current. So they have a doctor there just to tell you when you're about to die, so you have to keep it enduring more so after all of this torture and after being i mean 
I think, personally soul-destroyed by letting down the only person that was ever kind to him, then he gets really, really mean. And then he basically starts killing people. And that's anybody that's in his way. He'll just beat with an iron bar. And he's also, like, during Leavenworth, he's been... He's actually had that fucking 50-pound iron ball that you carry and then have to swing a fucking sledgehammer or an axe. So that's part of the thing is that while these guys are being tortured, they're getting shredded. Yeah, because they're ripped. Yeah, they're doing kettlebells basically. So this guy has the strength of like two or three men. Right. You and know? the rage of a, a hundred. Yes, and also, I mean, just the the railway smarts to know when to play it cool and all that other shit. Well, they, uh, this is what we, we were kind of joking about this the other night when you and I had dinner. But you know, they unwittingly created a killing machine oh yeah they he we were talking about charles manson being a product of the the criminal justice system growing up in juvenile hall and jails and this is the same kind of thing he was created by the people who were there to reform him yes yes boy did they really do a bang-up job of creating a unstoppable killing machine yeah so the real brutal, um, I don't mean to, I, I, I know I seem terrible the, laughing about some of this stuff, but I mean, there is, there is like a sick sense of humor about some of it that I can't help but find funny. Right. Um, while he's been through all of these different prison things, Taft has become president, uh, who sent him to this whole Leavenworth thing that really turned him against humanity and really showed him like the full cruelty of the reform, quote unquote, experience. So he makes his way east, and he finds William Howard Taft's house. and he robbed, Not the White House, but his... His home in yeah, Connecticut. Right. And he robs it of $40,000 worth of merchandise. It's a lot of money. Jewelry, bonds, and William Howard Taft's Colt forty five pistol. From, from the war. And he, he, with this money, he buys a yacht called the Akixa. Oh, and he'll go around New York picking up sailors, taking them out on the yacht, sodomizing oh, yeah, them. of course. Murdering them. Maybe ten men in all. Killing them with William Howard Taft's Colt forty five pistol. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> it's so fucked up. I mean, you steal the president's gun and then you kill like a ton of people with it? After sodomizing them at sea. Oh my god. What a nightmare. Does the name of the yacht mean anything? In particular? I don't know. I got to look it up. And so he, he runs the fucking thing aground. Two guys escape, right, uh, around the Jersey Shore. And then he's like, fuck, I better get out of here, you know. Um, and he fucking hightails it to Africa. He goes to Angola. What, on a, a, some, a barge or something? Yeah, he gets yeah. on some other thing. And he's still got money from this robbery. Right. And then, he, I mean, he kills... Angola? Yeah. What's going on there? I have no idea. I think it was just where a ship was going. This is the thing. He, yeah, he he went he went to he went to Mexico. I mean, he went all over the place and killed people like all over the world. He killed like a bunch, like six men in a rowing boat. And he's like, I just sat behind them in the rowing boat and started shooting them and pushed them all out to get eaten by crocodiles. You know, and it's again, it's just like you're in my way and you have shit I need and I I, I hate everybody. This guy's a uh, globe-trotting Johnny Appleseed and of sodomy one, and murder. He starts killing young boys too, like oh. boys of like twelve years of age and stuff. And he comes back, and he's back in the Northeast again, and 
like this is just like the killing spree time. This is just all anybody that's in my way. And he makes his way basically through Baltimore, Philly. The confession reveals all of these bodies. And they're all found after he says it. Until he ends up in D.C., gets caught for this burglary. And now he's like 41 years of age. And he says, I killed two boys. Here's where the bodies are. And they find them. Then he gets 25 to life. And he goes into prison. He tells the warden, I will kill the first man in here that bothers me. So he's doing the laundry room. And the foreman is annoying. And he bashes his head in with an iron bar. And he gets sentenced to death. Right. And he's in Kansas and Leavenworth again. And he's 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 now on death row and he makes friends with this guard, Henry Lesser. And Henry Lesser is basically hearing some of these like insane statements that he'll say. And he'll just kind of like ask him, like, well, why do you feel that way? And stuff like that. And he starts talking to him and he just ends up telling him all about his life. And then Henry Lesser is like, hold on, hold on. We write this down. Here's a pen. Here's don't, a, don't stab me. Here's a pen and paper. And he writes the whole fucking thing down. Basically, you know, Lesser is the only person besides Spud Murphy that's ever kind to him. And he tells Henry Lesser, you're one of the only people in my life that I didn't want to harm. And there's a there's an instance where Henry Lesser is like, hey, man, that, you know, that that window in your fucking cell is open. You're, it's too cold in here. Let me get in there and close that for you. And he opens the door, and he goes in, and he goes over, and he closes the window, and he turns around, and Panzerim is shaking, and Panzerim says to him, do not ever turn your back on me again. That is, uh, that's a self-awareness. Yeah. If, like, he, it took everything in his, in his entire body and soul to stop from killing this guy in that moment. Yeah, because, like, it seems like at this point, it's almost about proving the point. Right. Of every man deserves to die because right. that's what he believes. Right. Jeez. And so he's 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 um <laughs> it's like Bruce Banner fighting off the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh oh. You almost made me. So he's in Kansas. The death penalty is illegal in Kansas. Panzram goes and has a, a, <laughs> he has his sanity tested to prove to them I am completely sane. Kill me please. I did all of this on purpose. This is a federal prison. We're under federal jurisdiction. I can be executed. I do want to die. Yeah. And during this time, uh, I, think he, I think he shares uh, maybe a block with the Birdman of Alcatraz. Okay. So he's around there, kind of catches wind of, of all of that stuff um, before, before the, uh, I think he was in Alcatraz. Um, and there's, a, there's an instance where he like leaves a bunch of food under his bed. And uh, Pansram Pans leaves a bunch of food under his bed to spoil that he then uh, eats. To get sick. And he basically is like trying to kill himself while he's on death row. But some historians have thought like it was like this kind of like weak attempt. It's, it's hard to tell how much he really was invested in making it sick, especially for such a strong person. Right. It's not very Pansram to kill yourself it's with not. food poisoning. It's not. He's being defended by this anti-death penalty group of the time that he writes a letter to and he's telling them i fucking hate the whole human race including myself and everybody should die especially me and the only thanks you or your kind will quote ever get from me is that i wish you all had one neck and i had my hands around it oh god <laughs> these are the people that are trying to save his life <laughs> so so the day comes september 5th 1930 He's to be hanged, and he says, th- th- they're saying, 
like there's there's a whole viewing gallery, right? And like to the left and the right of him, and he spits at either side of them. And he's like spitting in the executioner's face. He also runs up the scaffold. Like his guards are trying to keep up with him, you know? And then they say, they say, do you have any last words? And he says, yeah, hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard. I could kill 10 men while you're fooling around. (laughs) The agony that this guy must have lived with in every waking moment. Yeah. And the dreams he had or nightmares that he had. Like, (sighs) well, it's that whole thing of like, you know, the unloved kid on the farm, nothing but beatings knowing that other people are happy somewhere else. Yeah. And trying to get that by running away, instead getting in more trouble. Right. Seeing the worst. Yeah. And then finding out there's worse than that. And then finding out there's worse than that. And then whatever comes from the torture. And then just cementing in your mind might makes right. Yeah. This is the way it is. And either you're getting or getting got. Which is it? Right. And it's like, I feel like the whole story to me is just like, it's, it's terrifying. It's just so like, you know, like, is this, this what, is, is nightmare this, fuel? Yeah. Is this what we are as people? Like, you know what I mean? And that he has these brushes with kindness. And then it's, but, it's like, that's an even worse punishment because it's, it's like, a tease. because it's a tease. And he still, you know, even in that moment, he wanted to kill that guy, but it's, but, like, part of the thing is also to show everybody that thinks they are kind, right. polite, bougie society, do you see what you're really like? Do yeah. you see what you're really doing to people in prison? Yeah. Do you see what's underneath? Right. You're paying people to do this indirectly. And you're yeah. You're turning a blind eye. Yeah. And it's still true. Yeah. I, like, I, well, <laughs> and, like, the first thing with the boarding schools and, and, and getting beat and, and, and being told, you know, uh, Jesus is the answer, while you're getting molested and just... Savage. I mean, like, you know that thing when you hear about shit in this Spanish Inquisition and you're like, how did you come up with something so evil? Yeah. Like a cell that doesn't properly fit your body so that you can never stretch out? Like cruelties like right. that right. where you're like, what the fuck? How could, how could you ever do this? Yeah. How could you go to this darkest part of your mind to think about what could be so terrible for another human being to endure and then carry it out? For, you know, yeah. years. Right. And then go and talk about the fishes and the loaves and, uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Everlasting uh, love and redemption. Right. I mean, I think, you know, I think... So after that, he, I mean, at 17, he loves burning churches. He burns hundreds of churches. Burn. It's like, go rob it, burn it. Go rob it, burn it. If if he could rape it, he would have. Yeah, and during this killing spree, the, the, when he's when he's on the loose, he also lays out that there's he has all these plans to poison entire cities' water supply, <sighs> to sink a British ship to cause war with the United States. Oh my God! Uh, he lays out blueprints. He's like, I was gonna, I was gonna d- destroy this rail tunnel and kill as many people on a train as I possibly could, like. All these grand plans for mass murder that he luckily never carried out. Thank God. But it was just like this whole thing of, I've been tortured by people. You want to reform me? And he says, I believe the only way to reform people is to kill them. Yeah. Including myself. Yeah. That's a deep, deep self-loathing, you know, that understandably so. He's never, man, this is dark. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fucked up. 
it's you know you know like when you um let's say you you uh you have to take antibiotics or something yeah you have to like make sure you take the full dose all the way to the end or yeah the bacteria that survive become this like you know resistant super bacteria right yeah and so when these people are doing this like beating and savaging and torture of people you know sometimes you make a carl panzram yeah because you didn't you should have killed him yeah well it's like this kind of thing too where the knowledge of the hypocrisy was enough to drive him to want to show it to everybody until he's just done he's just done with all of it and it's just like he just knows that there's this whole other life that he's missing out on and he can never go back. And I feel like it was like after the Spud Murphy thing, especially, yeah. that that's what really broke him, you know? Yeah, you get a taste of decency. Yeah, and you, where you've never had it before from a person you do not know, you know? Yeah, that, it, you know, it's, um, it's an example of grace. It's somebody yeah. in a p- position of power above mm-hmm. you who has no business being kind. They don't have to do it. Not at all. In and fact, they're not supposed that, to do it. No, it's controversial. And Murphy really got in a ton of trouble because you're coming after the guy that got shot in the face and his brother who were hardcore disciplinarians. And it's like, look at and, these. And it's this guy's fault. Yeah. And, 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 and like, you know, Panzerim is just one of these hobo maniacs of the day. There's tons of them at this point. Yeah. You know, it's a brutal world. Mm-hmm. And so to come in and be that liberal, a reformer at that point, was a severe risk for Murphy, mm-hmm. and he suffered for it. What happened to him? Well, basically, eventually, they, 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 I mean, they, they moved on. They, yeah. they, uh, his administration ended. Yeah, you know, but uh, but uh, Panzram escaped from the West at that point. I feel like he, I feel like after that, he was just like, uh, I can't go back there. Plus, yeah. plus, he was owed like seven years on the sentence after right. he escaped. You yeah. know, but after that, they did go back to disciplinary measures after he was caught, and they said he was like, you know. Uh, not anything as cruel as what he endured at Leavenworth or even in any of those schools, but there was a thing like where he was made to stand all day, right. and they said he never complained about any of that because he knew he fucked up. Yeah. You know? <sighs> Hurry up, you Hoosier bastards. Yeah. <laughs> I could kill 10 of you. So this thing is, again, like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's now gotten some traction. I think uh, last podcast on the left did one. There's a, a movie I think you get on Netflix, like a kind of semi-animated with photography documentary this guy uh, Borowski did uh, in 2012, I believe. Um, in the 80s, James Woods did a movie based on the story. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called Killer, A Journal of Murder. The book is Panzeram, A Journal of Murder. It's, I, I really can't recommend it enough. It's um, obviously bleak and terrifying. Panzeram's own words are I mean at times it's 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 very entertaining because he's really sarcastic and shitty and snide and it's funny right um because he, he is just so uh sarcastic about how it's 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 brutal you know and he's like he's he's in, he's in there fucking reading you know nihilist philosophy. So he has the wherewithal to carry out his words exactly the way he means. Right. It's you know he, I mentioned earlier like when you beat the um, the humanity out of someone, they do have that third person otherworldly perspective because yeah. they no they're no longer invested in, in in the human condition. Right. So yeah, he was beaten into enlightenment. Yeah, uh, and you know became a monster. But yeah. 
But the whole time, it is just this. It's like this this kid that never started striking out and being like, what about me? Why is this happening to me? The... Like, why is the world a cruel place? And I'm going to be crueler than you because it is. You know, so obviously the, the format of the podcast is that I don't, you know, I don't know yeah. uh, anything going into this. And, uh, you know, I... After after this episode, I don't want to read that book. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's great. It seems great, John. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there's a there's the deep curiosity to 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 get into the mind of somebody like this. But it seems like it's a real fucking bummer. <laughs> it's. I mean, to, uh, to me, it's it's just it is more eye opening about like the human condition mm. and. Um, like, as sick as he is, and as much as you can get into that, the world is kind of sicker. Because all of this shit that he goes through is institutionalized. Oof. It's mandated. Yeah. It wasn't one-off stuff. No, 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 no. It's written in a book. Yeah. Here are the These rules. These are the rules. This is what we do to We're people. We're going to tie you up on a pole until you snort from getting whipped. Right. And that's probably what one of the hypocrisies that drove him mad was. This is, this is not just a chance encounter like... You know, getting raped on the train by a bunch yeah, of Yeah, these are things I haven't thought of yet, and I'm one of the most famous diabolical madmen of all time. Right. Wow. You know, it's like the times make the man. Oh, yeah. He, you know, these men don't come out of a vacuum. They grow out of the soil of people. Yeah. Out of the societies that they, that they grow up in. And that's the scary part. Yeah. Is that we make these people in a weird way. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just like the whole thing we were saying of, of, of uh, like the neglected child. You know, that's that beginning. The dad's gone. The farm is hard. Everybody's pissed. Life is bleak. And it's just like you're just unloved, just an unloved kid. And the trouble they can get into is terrifying. I, I would love to have seen you know, his face or been in his head when he read Nietzsche talking about, you know, when you stare into the abyss, yeah. the abyss stares back, and just seeing the light bulb go off in his head, going, oh, that's me. I am the abyss. Right. And then him just, you know, eyes rolling the back of his head and doing whatever he did. Yeah. This guy's a fucking maniac. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's it's a tragedy above all else. It's Oh, yeah. It's not... Um, it's not glamorous and it does not it doesn't make me hate the guy i feel I feel horrible for this person he must have been living a living hell yeah um i mean there's there's just there's just i mean i, I can't imagine this guy henry lesser hearing all of this and being like hold up hold the fucking phone you need to write this down yeah and then henry lesser going around for the rest of his life and that, that he has like a sorrowful life because he's trying to sell this story that nobody wants to hear just the way you don't like hearing it now but it is compelling it's so compelling. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. Startling. And it, it, it's, it is also a testament to what people can survive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's he a, did survive all of that until he didn't. But yeah. He, he, and he and found Norman a way Mailer to, saying, like, this is a compelling story and being like, good luck getting anybody to listen to this. <laughs> I'm one of the leading intellectuals of all time. And sorry. Yeah. Not my bag. Yeah. John, thank you for bumming me the fuck out. Dude, I'm sorry. I thought you would love that. I I, I love it in this in the same way that I love, you know, the the movie Blue is the Warmest Color. <laughs> right. It, it's compelling. It makes me feel like shit, and I'll watch it again. I will read the book yeah. in the daytime. Yeah, it's Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. I'm better for it. Don't ever want to see it again. Exactly. Yeah. This is uh, ass to ass. <laughs> <laughs>
I get it. Yeah. Don't need to see it again. Yeah. Everybody, I want to thank you for listening. I want to tell you real quick, uh, we do have to talk about... Headphones? You better believe it. Whoa. Studiosweden.com. S-U-D-I-O. Sweden? Sweden.com. Promo code PROFILES15 gets you 15% off. Get yourself some headphones there. Aaron and I will get dirty rich off that. Oh, we are going to make a mint. If you like Volvo... Yes. Imagine the sweet, sweet comfort of Volvo's seats around your ears mm-hmm. with Studio Sweden headphones. Yes. Get involved. Um, help us out. They are fantastic headphones. Help out the podcast if you want to hear... Uh, yes, help out the Unpopular Opinion uh, Network by subscribing. Uh, please, please, uh, if you can, take a moment to review, rate us, etc. on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate it. It really helps us out, and uh, it'll get the podcast to more people if you do that. We consider ourselves an infotainment-style podcast, and mm-hmm. I think the more people that hear about it, the richer their lives will be. This episode, ugh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> but if we could you know, spread the word on the podcast, that'd be great. So review, rate, subscribe, share it, and also studiosweden.com. Promo code PROFILES15 for 15% off any of their fine, fine Swedish headphone products. Yes. Um, I'm going to be at Canteen Points on November 16th. If I'll be there, too. If wants to see me doing some stand-up comedy, Aaron Peter will be there. To watch you. Yes, holding me up, as you always do. I am the wind beneath your wings. Correct. I'm John Fahey, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Uh, please follow the Profiles Next Intricity podcast on Instagram. Yeah, Twitter. You get to see an inside look. You know, you add a little visual element to some of the stories we tell you. So go back there and see uh, some, maybe some of the clips from the Prince of Porn podcast. Uh, some of the pictures from the Jack Parsons podcast. It adds another dimension to to some of these stories. So profiles and eccentricity on Instagram. That is correct. And I am uh, on Instagram as Pistol Pita. Mm. It's a shout out to my favorite basketball player of all time, Pistol Pete, and Aaron Pita on Twitter. Very, very nice, Aaron. Thank you, John. John, um, thank you for this. Yes, of course. Uh, please um, stay tuned. Uh, we're weekly now. Mm-hmm. We're going to be tearing it up on a weekly basis. Hell yeah. We will be back next week with, I don't know what yet. Oh, I don't know um, either. I got a couple to choose from, but there's Ooh. some really, really good stuff I'm very excited about. Um, hopefully some more interviews like we did Yeah. Um, for episode three. Prince of Porn with Brian O'Hara. Yes, um, that'd be really great. Uh, you know, one of the great things about being in the human race, and Carl, if you're out there listening, <laughs> there is no shortage of eccentric figures to profile. That is true. If you've got a suggestion, shoot it our way. Oh, yeah, and so, uh, listeners, uh, you guys have sent us a couple of suggestions, and uh, we do want to get to some of those there have been some really really good ones and mm-hmm. uh we were just talking about that with adam todd brown yep. we are recording at adam's uh if you're not watching the live stream and thanks be to him for having us here all praise be to him i'm john fahey i'm aaron pita thank you for listening to profiles and eccentricity we love you good night